Welcome, everybody, to the Locked on Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined by you guys. I'm going to be answering your questions here in a bit. Uh, we had some great ones. We had some questions. We start with a conversation about the starters and some of the things that the Lakers appear to prior- be prioritizing, depending on which group that they go with. We had a really fun question about LeBron's slippage, seeing as he's entering potentially that part of his career uh, and, and what that slippage might look like, what that decline might look like, and what the Lakers could do, given the roster that they have, to deal with any such decline. We had a question about the way that the NBA is approaching this next season without a bubble and all of that uh, to, to wrap things up, and, and I gave my thoughts on that as well. Before I get to those questions, obviously, the uh, Lakers had some big news today, signing LeBron, not LeBron, uh, Kyle Kuzma to a three-year, $40 million deal. He has a player option in that third year uh, that I would imagine he's probably not going to exercise uh, just because he's going to be 27 at that point, and he's going to want some flexibility at that stage of his career. I think it's a good deal for all involved. I think it's under... It's below market value if he is indeed a starter or if he's a a starter caliber player in the NBA, which I think he probably is. Now, if he's a starter, does that make your team a playoff contender? You know, we we know that him coming off of the bench on a championship title, you know, a, a championship winning team, he played an important role on last year's team. So usually those players get a little bit more than he's going to be making and you know he's he's making basically 13 mil and some change over the next few years role players that that you know 69 role players who are fairly versatile on defense and could hit three pointers uh and are as young as as he is or or about his age they tend to make about 15 so it's slightly below market level he gets some security that I know he wanted and he also gets an opportunity to show out and earn more in his next deal a couple of years from now. So I think it, it benefits everybody. And I think it's the kind of deal that, you know, maybe he isn't all that thrilled about, but I, I think generally speaking, it, it, I, I think at his stage of his career, it's not a bad thing that he has to go out and really prove why he deserves more than he was paid right now. Uh, so, so that's where the Lakers find themselves. That's where Kyle Kuzma finds himself And I think everybody wins uh, walking out of these negotiations. All right, I'm going to go ahead and throw to those questions and throw to the rest of the show. Uh, It's a good one. It's a really fun one. Some really thought-provoking questions today, and and I think you're going to enjoy them. All right, first question here comes from Shooses. Hey, Anthony and Pete, quick question. I hear a lot of people projecting the Lakers starters as Schroeder, KCP, LeBron, AD, and Trez. I would prefer KCP, Matthews, Braun, AD, and Gasol. My thinking is, is if it worked last year, why make that drastic of a change? This lineup has shooters in all five positions, spaces a floor for LeBron and AD, and uh, lets LeBron handle the ball for the first part of the game. Why not let LeBron do what he does best and distribute? I don't understand the fascination with more ball handlers on the court. At the start of the game, when the Lakers have the best point guard in the league, uh, why do we need more ball handlers early in the game? Thanks for the great pod, and keep up the good work. Well, thank you on, on those last two points. But so, I think I mostly agree with it, though I think the reasoning is somewhat flawed. 
the success that the Lakers had last season didn't do much, it appears, to affect the way that the team was put together this year, right? So if you're going to change the team's identity, you may as well reconsider the rotation and, and reconsider some of the theories that went into last year's rotation. So if that's your starting point, going with a non-point guard lineup simply because of the success that it had last year, the foundation of the theory is somewhat flawed. Still, though, you can have flawed logic and still arrive at the same place or, or at the right place, and I, I mostly agree with, with the general points. Uh, I, I do think that the Lakers should probably start KCP and allow LeBron and Gasol to basically dictate how the offense is going to work. KCP, Wesley Matthews, LeBron, AD, Gasol, that allows you to space the floor really well. Uh, you have enough good defenders out there. You're, you're pretty switchy. Uh, Gasol is not the, the switchiest defender, so you're going to run into some issues there. And you're probably not going to play very fast. The one concern is you're going to have a you're really going to be lacking in size uh, on the bench, right? Because then your then your lineup is uh, Schroeder, Caruso, Kuzma, Mar uh, Markeith, and Montrez, and and then you know you're gonna you're gonna have to try to fit THT in there somewhere as well. So you're 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 kind of giving up quite a bit of size with your bench lineup if that's if you're starting KCP. So that's something to take into account as well. I do think they're probably going to start the season with Dennis Schroeder out there to start games uh, and and give that a go just because it's it's kind of his request, it seems like, that it was the agent's request. And the Lakers want to see, especially early, early in the season, how he and LeBron are going to fit. And they're going to give that as much of a go as they can possibly give it uh, without obviously giving away too many wins if, if it starts costing them games. So that's, I, 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 I agree with the general principle, but when you take into account the politics of the roster and, and of the locker room and the way that this offseason went and, and the guys who were the most talented, because like if you're just basing it off of talent, right, your, your best lineup is probably going to be uh, Schroeder, KCP, LeBron, AD, and Montrez Harrell. Like, that's probably going to be your most talented lineup. And I would like to see that group get the most run together so that you can actually find out what this team has uh, when those those most talented players are out there together. Uh, all that said, it doesn't really matter as much who starts the games as it does who finishes those games. And that's where, you know, the, the, the most talented lineup that I just talked about comes into account. Uh, if Marcus Saul is capable of playing more than 12 to 15 minutes a game, are some of those minutes going to come at the end of the game? Uh, are you, are they going to sacrifice some of Trez's minutes in those, in those moments? Alex Caruso was one of the Lakers best clutch players last year. Uh, where are they going to find him? Is he going to play a role in those in those finishing lineups? There's a lot of questions that got to get answered because of how deep this team is, and I would imagine they're going to do a ton of tinkering, especially at the beginning of the year, to try to find as many answers as they possibly can. Uh, let's take a quick second here. When we come back, I'm going to keep on answering your questions. Today's show is brought to you in part by BetOnline.ag. 
Look, they are throwing their support behind this entire network in a way that no other partner ever has. So I want to make sure, and we've had some great partners, by the way, and, and, and I want to make sure that we throw them a similar level of support. Uh, you have college football to bet. It's bowl season. You have the NFL season uh, heading into the playoffs. You have a you have the NBA, obviously, is kicking off. And you can get in on all of that action by going to betonline.ag. And if you sign up today and use promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. Uh, you have, and, and, and so what I'm going to do on the show is when I talk about this, when I, when I, when we throw to, uh, a, a sponsor with them, we're going to do our game of the week the, or the game of the day that we used to do last year. And that was a ton of fun. Pete and I had a blast doing that. So we're going to, we're going to bring that back as well. Uh, again, head on over to, to uh, betonline.ag to re- receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert, experts. And by the way, check out Locked On Bets for information on all of this and the best insight you're going to get on anything in the sports in, in, in the sports vertical. So, betonline.ag. Promo code locked on, you get 50% of your deposit. They're just going to give you 50% of, of whatever you deposit there. And, and then check out Locked On Bets for information on all of that. And like I said, there's, this is going to be a big part of the show moving forward. Thanks to, to them a ton for the amount of support and the way that they believe in the show. The show is brought to you in part also by 1010. Uh, You may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com, and when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people, and with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this is exciting. Limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. All right, Australian Laker writes, Hi, Anthony, Pete, and Avery. I have three LeBron questions. One, entering the season, what metrics or evidence will you be using to gauge if LeBron is in decline? If he is in decline, how would you coach to mask said decline? Uh, Finally, what is your read on the part of the Lakers fan base that was anti-LeBron? Uh, has there been an acceptance of him as a Laker? Thanks for the insight, as always. So these are all interesting. Uh, to start with, so I'll start with number one. The way that I tend to measure decline, it's kind of hard to, especially with somebody as, as smart as LeBron is, it's kind of difficult to see it statistically. But one of the things that I tend to look for are is is field goal at the at the rim, right? The field goal percentage at the rim, number of attempts at the rim, right? Because if you're starting to slip athletically, it gets more difficult to get by your defender. But 
as we saw in the preseason, LeBron was getting steps on guys who were way smaller than him. So I don't think that's a problem quite yet in his game. And then also number of free throws that you're attempting because as you as when you're at your physical peak and you're all, you're able to get by everybody, a lot of defenders have to resort to fouling you. And as that athleticism slips a little bit, those defenders feel more comfortable playing you more straight up and, and contesting you without fouling. And you start to see it statistically in that way. So that's more of an individual kind of thing. Also, turnovers is is an interesting one to, to keep an eye on as well, though the, the issue with watching turnovers too closely or just, be, you know, the, 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 the issue with with just focusing on raw turnover data is guys who have the ball a ton tend to turn over to turn it over the most. And you have to try to find some context in there to really understand why that ball is being turned over. And, and with somebody like LeBron, if you start to see his turnover percentage go up, right? A percentage of, of, uh, possessions that he has that end in a turnover. Well, if, if, if you're, if that number starts to climb a little bit, maybe he's reading the court a little bit more slowly or his fast twitch muscles are making it more difficult to make some of the passes he's made his entire career. So those are some small things that you're looking for. Uh, and and the, to answer the second question, if, if those numbers do start to tell a story uh, or, or, or paint a picture in which LeBron is starting to slip – the ways that you can mask it are actually kind of built into the roster and, and kind of go back to some of the issues raised or concerns raised in the first question, right? Why the focus on so much ball handling? Why do you have to have so much creativity with your starting unit if you're, you know, if you're starting Schroeder? Why is that such a high priority? Well, if LeBron's turnover percentage goes up, you want to be able to have somebody on the court whose per- turnover uh percentage isn't as high. Uh, if his finishing ability is starting to slip because athletically he isn't the same person, then you probably want to have some lineups out there and really focus on spacing, right? You want to, you want to be able to, to, to make the floor as open as possible to give him the widest lanes to get to the rim. If his free throw percentage starts to drop a little bit, Maybe you focus on having other finishers on the court so that their free throw percentage makes up for what he might start giving up. So those are those are just some general theories based on what we saw in the preseason when he really focused and really, you know, put the clamps on defensively or uh, <laughs> found found both hands with without just, you know, fumbling the ball all over the place. When he started really focusing and, and looked like the disciplined LeBron James, none of these things were, were really an issue in the preseason. So that's the to, to make everybody more comfortable, I, I don't think that drastic slippage is is what we're gonna see this year. And 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 generally speaking, LeBron is so gifted physically and so such a genius mentally that I don't think we're gonna see drastic slippage with him it's going to be a very gradual decline and you know you'll start to see some clues of a of a step back that he might be taking but generally speaking I I think for the most part LeBron is going to be LeBron for as long as LeBron wants to be LeBron and he's also shown an ability to evolve as his body 
changes. So just just some things to uh, just some things to, to pay attention to if, if that's what you want to look for. But I don't think it's a concern at all. Um, and then and then finally, to, to answer that third question, what is your read on the part of Laker fan base that was anti LeBron? Has there been an acceptance of him as a Laker? So my mom is the biggest Kobe fan in the history of Kobe fandom. She can't stand LeBron, has never really liked LeBron. And even when he came to the Lakers, despite the fact that she made or his coming to the Lakers changed her oldest son's life, uh, she still is is pretty reticent to any acknowledgement of LeBron's greatness. So uh, with all that said, I we had a conversation the other day. I think it was last night. Yeah, last night. And or no, two nights ago, and my dad was there. My little brothers were were on the other line. We were all kind of FaceTiming, and LeBron came up, and that was the closest I've I've heard my mom come to. Okay, yeah, he's as good as you guys say, and and if he's turning around the his perception with my mom, then he's winning over just about everybody you're going to hear talk about him now. There are still going to, like Warriors fans are never going to be LeBron fans and and there are still going to be a, a ton of people who are looking for reasons to hate him especially given how politically charged he he has become which has been a good thing by the way don't get me wrong uh, I'm I'm happy that the biggest star basically one of the biggest stars on the face of the planet is out here saying how important it is to vote and all those things. I think it's really cool. And, and the work he's done with that school has been really cool as well. Uh, but that's also going to put a target on his back with people who are looking for reasons to, to take pot shots at him. And as a result, you do get a very loud group that is that takes every opportunity to dump on him uh, whenever they possibly can. And at the end of the day, I think you just kind of have to say screw those people. <laughs> that's that's basically where where you have to arrive is you know what so you you're you're not going to win over everybody and even if it's Lakers fans who got to enjoy championship number 17 uh last year if they still can't get on board with LeBron then then they're lost really. That's that's where you find yourself and and I I've I've realized yeah I've always been kind of drawn to greatness. I've Tiger Woods is my favorite golfer of all time. LeBron is one of my favorite basketball players of all time. Michael was before LeBron, my favorite basketball player of all time. And, and, uh, Griffey didn't win championships, but yeah, I consider he was, he was my favorite player and he was dominant in his own ways as well. And, and I've always been, been drawn to what drives greatness. And I, I find the people who root against greatness kind of sad in 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 a in a big way and and I would love to have a conversation with somebody who who roots you know openly rooted against Tiger just for the sake of it was boring to see him win all the time or rooted against Michael because it was boring to see him win all the time not the people who rooted against Michael because say you were a Knicks fan right or you're a Pistons fan or a Celtics fan not those people I it's obvious why they would root against Jazz fans as well I can understand why they would have rooted against Michael, but the people who weren't fans of those teams and found themselves rooting against Michael because it was it got boring to watch him win all the time. I just say, like, what's the point of sports if 
if you aren't going to root for people really driving themselves to become the greatest in, in their era or the greatest ever in Michael's case or in LeBron's case right now, right? Uh, if you if you find yourself rooting against the, the, the guys or the people who are really pushing themselves to reach the mountaintop, to, to climb and plant their flag on, on top of that mountain, then I don't really know what you're watching sports for, frankly. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's go ahead and take another quick second here. When we come back, I'm going to finish off with the last couple of your questions. Today's show is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Head on over to builtbar.com. Use promo code Locked On, and you'll save 20% off your next order of the best protein bars you will ever get. And you thought they were great before? Well, check out these new flavors: caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia. You can maybe guess which one I may or may not have had a role in naming. I, I didn't, but still, that's if I was going to name a protein bar, that's what it would sound like. Lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, almond apple almond, almond crisp. You get that in uh, addition to coconut almond, raspberry, orange, toffee almond, uh, double chocolate, salted caramel, all of those good, great flavors. And they are just as refreshing, just as filling as they have ever been and uh, like I said you can still continue to get them for 20% off your next order so every time you hop on there go to builtbar.com use promo code locked on all one word uh, and you will get 20% off every order that you put in on that website and I just can't understand why you would ever stop ordering such a great product so one more time if you're looking for a gift for uh, your, your family member, or you're looking for a stocking stuffer. It's, it's, it's a great stocking stuffer. Head on over to builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on and you will get 20% off your next order. One more time, builtbar.com promo code locked on. All right, the uh, next one is not really a question. Pete is really good at talking about the game of basketball and respects the game. Anthony continues to spend more time gossiping and talking trash about NBA players while getting paid for it. Have respect for the game, Anthony. I, I sometimes wonder if you guys like listen to the show. All right, next question comes from uh, N. Wiggins 11. Hey, Anthony and Pete, love the show, and recently it's been giving me a needed study break as I push through finals. Best of luck on those. Those are I, I don't miss finals and testing at all. My question is, how confident are you in the NBA's COVID protocols? Seeing what's happening in college basketball right now with games being canceled daily has me doubting if the NBA can pull this off safely. Thanks and happy holidays to both of you. So I don't think it's quite fair to compare it to college basketball because college basketball and college sports, quite frankly, is an inherently shitty organization. <laughs> like I can't I I know when I when I first started I did some coverage some some college sports coverage and I found I felt dirty the whole time. I if you're covering college sports and your first question isn't why aren't these athletes being paid, then uh then you're not I don't I I never thought you were really doing your job very well. Uh now the thing with college basketball also, the reason why it's hard to compare it to what the NBA is trying to do is that you have all of these various conferences that have different protocols than 
you know, their, their other conference, right? Pac-12 is, is approaching this in a different way than the SEC, and the ACC is approaching it differently than uh, the Big 12 and the Big 10, right? So, so that's problem number one. And the other thing, too, is these schools, uh, the, the college sports, when, when you're allowed to be as corrupt as they have existed for as long as they have been corrupt— and be corrupt to the extent that they are corrupt, uh, you, you, you tend to be kind of just generally sloppy. And the fact that college sports haven't handled this all that well wasn't exactly shocking to me because they've never had, they've never been pushed to actually be good at their jobs. They've just been the heads of a money-making machine that is, that exists the way it does because of essentially, uh, just criminally low paid, uh, labor. So, so, uh, and, and, you know, to compare that to the NBA where you have a player's union and you have, uh, a commissioner who is actively working with scientists to try to find the best way to do this. I, I think comparing the NBA's attempt at dealing with this without the bubble, uh, you comparing that to college sports is it's, it's night and day, quite frankly. But that said, if you compare the approach that the NBA is taking right now to the approach that they had when they had everybody enter into a bubble, that I think is a very those that that forces you to ask some very fair and pertinent questions. So uh, I, I think the fact that they're going about it the way that they are is kind of concerning. You have some teams that are going to have uh, fans in the stands even. Uh, before you're going to have a vaccine in place. Uh, now the vaccine is, it, I, you know, I have a couple friends who are nurses, so they have already been vaccinated and I'm sure the NBA is going to have access to vaccination as well uh, because of the amount of money that's going into the sport and into the league. So there are some questions that have answers already, but there are still a lot of questions that remain unanswered. And We'll see how this goes early on, and if it does get to a place that it is, you know, is is as disastrous as we have seen it in college sports, then I think everybody covering it has a responsibility to call that out and and really be hard on the league for bungling this, if or when they they do in fact bungle it. Uh, now, I I I do want to say that just like we saw with the bubble itself, what COVID has forced a lot of people to do is, is, is just make every decision based off of risk management. And for the first time around, when they decided to bring the season back, they said that the risk of the, the risk that they would have run had they not brought the season back was terrifying and, and would have really put them in a tough spot. So what are you going to do? You know, they, they, they decided that they had to try to generate some money and they spent enough to put a completely safe bubble in place uh, f- to finish off the season at a time where no vaccine was, was anywhere in sight. Now with the vaccine already being distributed and now with uh, hopefully the country ha- turning a corner on all of this, the, the NBA has made a decision that 
the bubble isn't as important. They don't have to be as strict with their guidelines or with their protocols, but they're still being pretty strict. They are still going to, I think, go about this as intelligently, if not more intelligently than any of the other leagues, because I, I think it's a generally smarter league than the other ones. Uh, but but at the end of the day, they have decided here that uh, the risk is such that they don't have to set up a, a bubble. They have decided that the risk of, of not resuming the season as quickly as possible ran a, would have put a financial burden that they weren't ready to uh, shoulder. So they, these are all, you know, just like, just like with, with us living at home, right? We all decided at some point I have to eat. So you go out into society and you go to the grocery store. Uh, you, you decide at some point that I just need to get out of the house and you put your mask on and you go for a walk or, or some people decided they, they wanted to put, uh, themselves at risk and, and go out to a restaurant. You know, and, and they decided that the risk was such that they were willing to to put that at risk for whatever they felt they needed in that moment. And uh, you know, I doesn't mean I dis- uh, I I agree with a lot of the decisions made by everybody. That's not my place, though. And what what is my place is to analyze the decisions that the NBA is making. And to this point, I kind of have to give them the benefit of the doubt, given how well things worked out in the bubble. And as soon as as soon as this turns around, though, if, if, if this does, if the league does fall on its face in their handling of a season without a bubble, then I would, I, I have to point that out. I have to analyze that. And, and I will, I promise. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked on Lakers podcast. Uh, thank you guys a ton for your questions. Uh, we, we, I'm going to talk to Pete tomorrow to get his thoughts on the Kuzma extension and preview the season, which kicks off in roughly 48 hours or so somehow. So so plenty of, of exciting stuff right around the corner here. Uh, have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's. Talk to you tomorrow.